0: You are listening to audio from Harvest Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. We are so glad you are joining us today. If you would like to know more about Harvest Church, connect with us online at myharvestchurch.com. And now for today's sermon.
1: You can feel it that God's getting ready to wreck some things in our lives. Can anybody else sense that? And, and that's a great thing. Have you ever seen a Extreme, uh, you know, like the Demo Day where they do the Extreme House renovations? You know, Demo Day's a fun day. All the guys said, oh, yeah. <laughs> bring the hammers in. But what's so beautiful about Demo Day is it's the, a, part, a major part of the process of a new creation. And God's getting ready to create something new in Harvest Church. Hey, uh, just kind of going back to the, uh, the the youth retreat that was mentioned, uh, have a note here from Dennis Udicious. Rooted Youth will be heading off to winter retreat January 26th through 28th, it's a fantastic opportunity for our youth to connect with our Savior while among their peers. As we did last year, we're offering sponsorship opportunities for our church body. The cost of a uh, uh, for our student is $159, but any amount is appreciated to ensure that all of our youth members are able to have this experience. So you have an opportunity to uh, give to this cause and send a student to uh, youth ministry or excuse me, youth camp, the uh, winter retreat, and I just want to like capitalize on that thought. How cool is it that you could be giving to the next Billy Graham? Like, isn't that an awesome thought? Like, you could be giving to the next Amy and Steve Thurston. You could be giving to the next missionaries to go and change the world. And so just want to challenge you, church, to take that uh, opportunity and invest in the youth ministry and uh, uh, just believing that God is going to get a hold of their lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, today we were. Uh, today I was originally gonna be preaching a, a sermon on uh, human trafficking and going in line with our Sanctity of Life sermon series, but today we're gonna actually pause the uh, uh, series that we're in with Sanctity of Life for a couple reasons. One, with the incoming snow, uh, there was a strong chance that we were gonna have the kids' ministry in the sanctuary. And how many of you know this isn't a topic that is necessarily appropriate for young ears to hear, okay? And so we wanted to make sure that we were prepared on all fronts. Also, uh, I gotta be honest, the marketing side of me, I wanted to create a supply and demand for you to go to the one o'clock course with uh, Hope Inspire Love. Attend it. It's gonna be awesome if you say, you know what, I haven't signed up. I've been notified uh, beforehand, before the service that there's space for you. So make sure that you attend. It's gonna be an awesome opportunity. But today, uh, uh, we're gonna be postponing the Sanctity of Life series. And also, before we get into today's sermon, I want to remind you that next week, everybody say next week. Next week, Tony McFadden uh, is a nationally recognized, renowned uh, pro-life speaker is gonna be with us sharing her testimony L- Testimony in a nutshell is she's come from a past of abortion. If that's a part of your past, I just want you to know that you're not outside of God's forgiveness and redemption, that he has a plan for your life. Come on, somebody. We're not defined by our past. We're defined by his future and his blood, amen? And so uh, she's gonna be coming and sharing her testimony, incredible story. And we're also gonna be doing a little bit of a Q- and A time with her. I know in the past I've had some individuals say, pastor, isn't this political? Why, why are we getting political? And the reality is, this church, right now, politics and morality are converging, and you and I, as the body of Christ, have an opportunity to share the gospel message. We're not getting political. We're talking about biblical morality. And so um, just keep that on, on, uh, on the forefront of your thinking. When is Tony McFadden coming? Next week. Next week. You all are on it. So we decided to uh, postpone the topic of sanctity of life, and today we're going with a a different theme. We're going to talk about New Year's. Did you know that it's a new year? That didn't slip by anybody? You see, I asked because I saw plenty of our parents posting on Facebook that you were proud to be in bed and asleep by eight o'clock on New Year's Eve. You know who you are. And so just want to make sure that we're all aware of that. But today, I want to talk to you for a moment about how to have a great year. With the new year comes new opportunity, and it just feels like the correct topic for us to tackle here today. I want to talk about how to have a great year, because how many of you know that you're going to face challenges in 2024? You and I are going to face some challenges together as the body of Christ. For example, did you know that 2024 is an election year? (laughs) Isn't it awful? I mean, the commercials are like the stalker that you never wanted. It's just absolutely horrible. We're going to be facing an election year, and with election comes division, And you and I are about to see every political ad we could ever ask for and not ask for. Every time that there's an election year, the body of Christ has the opportunity to grow in discernment because it seems like false prophets come out of the woodwork. If you find a prophet that is prophesying who's going to win the election, friend, that is a fortune teller, that is not a prophet. We're going to face challenges this year. As in the ever increasing discussions about inflation. And you're gonna hear the chicken little voices constantly coming up. Rather than saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling, you're gonna hear the economy's falling, the economy's falling. We're gonna face challenges. But despite these challenges and despite the many other challenges that you and I are going to face in 2024 that we could discuss here today, I want to say this, that through Jesus and through his word, you and I can still live out biblical principles that will allow us to have the greatest year that we've ever experienced. Amen. You can be that person at the end of the year that when somebody goes, oh, can you believe this year? How was your year? You can be that person who's like, it was great. Awesome. Awesome. And they're just like, ugh. Jesus provides to us the ability to not just survive another year, but thrive in the new year. Jesus gives us biblical principles that are gifts that transcend circumstances and help us to rise above all of the mess and experience his presence. The first point that I want to direct you towards today, which goes in tandem with The word that Jack felt led to give here today is is first and foremost, you and I can have a great year by letting go of the past. If you want to have a great 2024, if you want to have a great new year, then you and I cannot drive forward if our eyes are fixated on the rearview mirror. I asked this question to our Wednesday night Bible study and I just feel compelled to ask it again. How many of you experienced something in 2023 that you wish you could go back to and do differently by show of hands? We all have those moments. Of course, everybody has those moments that we wish that we could go back and redo. And, and some of you, you look at 2023 in the rearview mirror, and it stirs up this desire to go back and do things differently. And the reality is, is although you and I don't have that prerogative, we do have the gift of moving forward with Jesus, which provides us new opportunity to, to do things differently this time around. Some of you, you look at 2023 in the rearview mirror, and it maybe stirs up anger, Maybe it stirs up different feelings of hurt. Maybe 2023 was the year that you lost a loved one. Maybe 2023 was the year that you lost a job. Maybe there's a moment or a decision that that you desperately wish that you could go back to and correct because words were spoken that you didn't intend to say, but your temper got the best of you and they came out anyways. Maybe there's a mistake that you made that runs deep and you got angry and, and, and again said things that shouldn't have been said, but, but they're out there now. And maybe there are mistakes in your past that constantly pull you into shame, regret and condemnation. And there's things that, that pull you out, that, that flat out pull you into unforgiveness. Regardless of what the hurt is, the reality is this church, you cannot walk into the future blessings of God while holding on to the bitterness of yesterday. No matter what your past looks like, it's time to put it to rest and walk in the new. Whether it's apologizing, going back and apologizing to a person and making amends or forgiving other hurts that someone else caused in your life that are causing you to constantly look in the rearview mirror, it's time to walk in the new. This is a word that I just feel like the Holy Spirit put on my heart. Would you say this with me? New creation on three. Ready? One, two, three. It's time to walk as a new creation. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. The scriptural passage may sound familiar because it was spoken already this morning. Thanks, Jack, for giving away my sermon. Not that I have already obtained all of this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that which is for Christ Jesus who took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to yet have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I love Paul's intentional words here because he doesn't talk about a joyful experience moving forward. He talks about how there's gonna be times where it feels like it's straining but I love the fact that Paul insinuates and tells us that it's possible regardless of the challenge it's time to be forward focused in Jesus church I believe that 2024 there's going to be so much vision that is poured out for this church body for example just a few weeks ago we closed the deal and purchased 14 acres right down the road from here God's doing something The amount of salvations that have taken place in this house is incredible. The amount of testimonies that we hear on a week to week basis is incredible. God's doing something, and He's doing something new. If you're dealing with a situation of hurt and resentment, it's time to forgive and move forward. I love the way that, that Paul Bowes said it, forgiveness does not change the past, but it does enlarge the future. For those who are dealing with Satan shaming you about your past, maybe that's a little bit more of his prerogative in your life as he keeps pulling you back to those mistakes and those moments that that you maybe fell into some type of sin or whatever it may be, and he keeps saying that this is who you are. You you failed. You can't move forward. God can't possibly redeem this. I want you to know something. Satan does not know God's future for your life. Satan is not all-knowing. Satan tries to manipulate us into thinking that he's more powerful than he actually is. Because Satan isn't in control of your future, he tries to get you to focus on your past, to distract you because he knows that God's future plan for your life is so far greater than your past that if you knew the plan that he had for your future, my goodness, you would be like, God, I I don't know if I can handle all this blessing at one time. Don't give the enemy a foothold in your life by allowing him to distract you from pursuing God. God's future plan for your life does not revolve around your past. Through Jesus and we we are redeemed. And it's time to strain towards what Jesus has ahead of us. So the question then is this, how do I pursue the future? Where do I start? How do I, how do I pursue what God has for me in the future? Because sometimes when we talk about our future, we think in terms of, of pursuing things. Well, I simply want to tell you about pursuing a person. You and I can pursue God's future plans by pursuing God if you want to experience the plans that he has for your life, all you have to do is run after God. Pursue God's future plans for your life by pursuing him. If you run after Jesus, he's going to begin to lead you into his preferred future for your life. Pastor Tony Evans said it like this. Don't worry about locating your purpose. When you seek the Lord, your purpose finds you. If you want to have a great year, It's time to let the blood of Jesus wash over your past and walk in the newness of Jesus. We have to get in the habit, church, of moving forward into what God has rather than making a habit of looking at what's behind us. If you attended our Wednesday night Bible study this past Wednesday, then this next point is going to sound a little bit familiar to you. If you want to have a great year in 2024, create holy habits. So we forget about the past, and just like Paul, we strain towards what is ahead. Secondly, if you want to have a great 2024, create holy habits. Did you know that habits shape your life? You are only as healthy as your habits are. Habits, they matter more than the occasional big event on your calendar. They matter more than the seasonal traditions and habits that are, excuse me, seasonal traditions that you find yourself celebrating. Habits are the things that you do daily, consistently. Change your habits and they will change the rest of your life. Habits are those things that maybe you're not even conscious of that you do, but you do them consistently. How many of you leave the cupboard drawer open all the time? You wanna talk about creating a new habit? You wanna you want talk about creating a new habit? Do this with me. You ready? You ready to create a new habit? I'll leave. <laughs> I, I'm a hollerback preacher. I'll leave. All right, do this with me. Just, just fold your arms. You ready? Just cross your arms. You ready? Now do it the other way. Isn't it weird? Some of you are like, I don't know what to do with my hands anymore. (laughs) Create new habits. Create new holy habits. Do you struggle to control your tongue? Then start creating a habit of speaking life. And entertain, make it a habit to entertain wholesome conversations. I want to challenge you to make it a habit to get in the Word of God because as you get in the Word of God, He shapes your life through His Word. Amen. And I just have to throw out there, how many of you are familiar with the Read a Bible in a Year programs? If you're not familiar with them, a quick Google search will hook you right up. I also want to challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app. There are literally hundreds Of Bible reading apps that will be your accountability partner that constantly send you notifications, which some of us need. I'm one of those people. And it will constantly be that voice in your ear reminding you to get into God's word daily. Getting into God's word daily, that is a holy habit. As a matter of fact, on this topic, I'm not gonna to spend too much time on it because we're gonna be launching this Wednesday a Bible study that is all about creating holy habits. If we can show that quick commercial on our new Bible study that's gonna be taking place for the next six weeks on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock. Go ahead.
0: What in the world is a, is a holy habit? Um, holy habits allow us to frame rhythms of life so that we can be in tune to God's grace. We're gonna learn about how to resolve conflict. We're gonna learn how to be shaped by scripture. We're gonna learn how to rest. We're gonna learn the holy habit of sharing good news. Our culture is devoted to speed, superficiality, and distraction. If you and I continue to run at the pace of light speed, we're gonna break our spiritual necks. Let's be intentional about God's grace and mercy. Let's be intentional about living in the rhythm of holy habits.
1: therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain steadfast immovable always abounding you know what Paul is talking about is consistency which is another way of saying a habit he's talking about daily living Your daily habits will form and shape your life. Seek new holy habits, and those habits of loving the Lord day in and day out will empower your life to be immovable. So that no matter what the new year throws at you, you can have a great year because you're abounding in the presence of God. And in His presence, how many of you know there's fullness of joy? Amen? Amen. You and I can have a great year by forgetting the past, creating holy habits. And you and I can have a great year by avoiding laziness and procrastination. Can I get a witness? As I mentioned, I enjoy fixer-upper shows. When a crew goes into a house that has experienced extreme neglect and the floorboards are rotted and ceilings are leaking. And then the crew goes in and completely renovates the place and takes the house to its former beauty and there's this, and it surpasses its former beauty because now it's more, often more modernized and it's this new creation. And just like neglect to a house can have a horrible effect, neglect can have a detrimental effect on the Christian life. The Bible teaches us a strong theology of work. From the very beginning in Genesis, man is given dominion, which means that man is given responsibilities, which is a nice way of saying man is given work as a way of worshiping and glorifying God. I believe that God created us in such a way where there are certain part of our souls that are pleased when we work in a way that brings glory to God. The theology of righteous work ethic is taught throughout Proverbs, is reiterated throughout the New Testament and into the New Testament, and even all the way to the end in Revelation, we come to understand that there's a final judgment, and that those who are in Christ, that we're not going to experience the same kind of judgment as those who who are not in Christ, and we come to understand that our judgment is often, or excuse me, is based on works and what we did for the Lord. And did you know, Church? And I know that this this kind of goes against so many different teachings on blessings that are out there. But did you know that you and I are not going to receive the same reward when we get to heaven? There goes God being a socialist. That, that doesn't work. We don't all get the same reward, but that God is going to judge us through our works and what we did while we were here on earth for his sake and his cause. Paul had encountered Christians in the Thessalonian church that were building a reputation of laziness, which he refers to as idle Christianity. Christians started to gain a reputation of being a a lazy religion, and Paul passionately steps in and says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, hit the pause button. When Paul addresses you like that, it means that he is very serious. We command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle. Paul is instituting what I would call holy boundaries. To keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow an example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked day and night, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Church, there's a vast difference between helping the needy and enabling being taken advantage of. And Paul was conscious of this and said that this behavior of taking advantage of each other, that it's got to stop. And Paul reiterates, he said, it's necessary for you to make a living, but more importantly, it's most necessary that you use your work as a witness. Church, a righteous work ethic might win an unbelieving boss. If you want to have a great year, commit your work to the Lord under the understanding that your work can be a witness. Our culture right now is so hungry for a righteous work ethic that they are putting up signs in their windows of the storefronts. I was just a couple weeks ago, it's the busy holiday season and I hear a knock on the door and step out of my office for a moment, and it's one of our awesome UPS guys, all the UPS guys that come in here, you know, it's so cool. They ask the questions like, what's going on at this church? We drive by here on Sundays, and y'all are parking in the grass, and we often have this beautiful example to just kind of share Jesus with our UPS and FedEx drivers. It's awesome. And the UPS driver, he's sitting there, and he, he asks me, he says, it's Is that your is that your truck out there in the parking lot? And I gotta be honest, I was nervous for a moment because I'm like, who did I cut off in traffic that he's asking this question? I'm just saying you all know Highway 78, it's survive or die. I mean, it's every man for themselves. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, I I feel like I I don't think I cut off the UPS guy. I ask him, I'm I'm like, why do you ask? And he goes on to tell me how desperate UPS is for righteous work ethic. He says, we can't find anybody to work. He said, UPS is so desperate that they're actually looking for local people who have pickup trucks or vans to help haul packages and assist the drivers. Blew my mind. And I sat there and I said, so I said, let me ask you a question. I said, What just out of curiosity, I said, what are they starting? What are they, what's the hourly starting pay? He said, they're starting people out at $28 an hour. They will reimburse for gas and pay mileage. I got home and said, Kylie, I'm gonna be busy the next couple Saturdays. (laughs) Just so you know. Right? Like some of y'all are contemplating. You're like, I'm open on evenings. Our culture is so desperate for a righteous work ethic that Christians have been handed on a silver platter an opportunity to witness by just being faithful in your work and using your work to glorify God. And in glorifying God with your work ethic, you and I are able to provide a safety net around our lives where we build a righteous reputation for the body of Christ rather than one of idle Christianity that Paul had to address. If you want to have a great 2024, glorify God in the way that you work. And you will not only glorify Him, but He will give you opportunities to be a witness to those around you. And our culture is hungry for it. <clears throat> if you want to have a great year, then all you and I have to do is avoid laziness and procrastination. If you want to have a great year, we can have a great year by staying motivated. Staying motivated, let's be honest for a moment, it's easier to say that I'm motivated than to actually be motivated. Am I right? And I understand that it's easier said than done, and I, I feel kind of silly just saying, like, we can have a great year by staying motivated, because it's like, okay, like, Pastor Johnny, how do we do that? How many of you wish that we could just command it into someone's life? Like, just look at someone and be like, be motivated, and they're like, wow, I feel awesome. I am because you said it I am ready to face the day and it reminds me of a meme that I saw not too long ago go, go where it said to to men specifically the next time that your wife is upset and you want to calm her down just tell her to stop and that she's being unreasonable and that'll work. That. You have a death wish. But how many of you know that sometimes like we wish that we could command things into people's lives. And so with that understanding this morning, as our worship team makes their way forward, I want to talk to you just for a quick moment on how we can stay motivated. How do we stay motivated to to make sure that we're, we're hardworking and that we're forgetting our past and that we're committing our work to the excuse me, the Lord, and that we're creating holy habits. How, how can we stay motivated to do these things? Well, number one, celebrate the small victories along the way. Celebrate the small things. You're here today. Come on, somebody. Would you give it up for yourselves for being in church on a snowy Sunday in January? Celebrate the small victories along the way in 2024. As you establish holy habits, rejoice and celebrate. You're moving into God's future for your life. Rejoice, celebrate. Psalm 68 verse 3 says, But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Christians, can I I break some hard news to you for a moment? Christians in 2024 have been given the reputation of being grumps. I mean, just, just grumps. Can we make it a goal to work towards changing that reputation by just always being found, giving glory to God? in 2024, celebrate the small wins along the way. You're here in January, snowy Sunday. Thank God. Have you ever noticed that everything that a baby does, we throw like a party for? Like my son, Dane, is four months old now. And my son, around uh, bath time has learned that he enjoys splashing, which is quite fun for Kylie and I, because we, I mean, we just get soaked as well, and he just, when he starts kicking his feet and, and splashing, he, you know, he has this smile that just melts your heart, and what do we do as parents? We, we don't sit there and go, oh, maybe you'll get it next year, buddy. Maybe you'll be able to swim next year. Are you kidding me? We're sitting there like, good, great job. You would think that like he just won the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, we're like, way to go. And it's contagious because my girls do it. My four and six-year-old, they'll run in. And I mean, my goodness, we, we have to learn to mold and shape this a little bit. Because like while we're cooking breakfast, they come in like, mom, mom, dad, dad. And we're like, what? I have to tell you something. We're like, what? Dane just sneezed. Thank you, honey. But next time, lead with that, okay? But we celebrate babies when they're in these stages of development. We celebrate everything. But when it comes to our spiritual development, we're hard on ourselves. I don't pray enough. I don't say the right words when I do. I don't know if I could ever love Jesus like that one guy at church who's always raising his hands and crying. I don't know if I could ever be like that one woman who's just so passionate, always talking about the Holy Spirit. I I don't know if I can ever be like that. So you know what? Rather than setting goals and being met with disappointment because I, I feel just guilty, I'm just gonna stay where I am. And complacency steals us from pursuing God's future for our lives. Can I challenge you? 2024, you prayed, celebrate it. You read the word of God, celebrate it. You took notes today in church, celebrate it. You worshiped today in church, celebrate it. Celebrate the small wins along the way. Amen? How do we stay motivated? Celebrate the small victories along the way. How do we stay motivated? Secondly, and I understand that this is directly attached to our God-given purpose, but I want to say it anyways. How do we stay motivated? Number two, lead others to Jesus. That's why you're here. God created you to be a witness. Lead others to him. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 through 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's the follow-up process to leading others into a relationship with Jesus' church. We often just try and make converts. But Jesus has called us to make disciples. Converts are those individuals that we have a conversation with and we say, good, you came to confess and now you know Jesus, hope it all works out for you, I'm going to go move on to somebody else. But Jesus says, no, 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 I want you to take them by the hand and disciple them and teach them what it means to follow me and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. You see, church, over the past couple years, I don't know where this false belief came from, but the church has gotten out of their responsibility by confessing and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ by just living for Jesus. I'm just going to live for Jesus and assume that others will ask me, hey, why are you so happy? And then I'll tell them about Jesus. Can I challenge you in 2024? Have the conversation. Have the conversation tell others about Jesus. Scripture says, how can they know if they have not heard? How can they hear unless the one who is sent does not speak? That's us. How do you stay motivated in 2024? Tell others about Jesus. There's nothing like it. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all, like it breaks my heart. Some of y'all, You've never experienced that feeling where like you walk away from a conversation. You're like, how did that just happen? We were talking about cars. We were talking about the weather. And next thing you know, like one conversational piece after another and and I told them about Jesus and led them in a prayer and now we're gonna get together and I'm discipling them. Like, how did this happen? And then you get a front row seat to see God change their life. There's nothing like leading people to Jesus. There's nothing like leading... That husband who everybody else was saying, he'll never step in a church. He'll never be one. It's hopeless for him. He's boldness. I knew his father. I know that family. And I'm telling you, he's just like them. There's nothing like seeing that guy come to know Jesus, lay down his life before him, and live for Jesus. It is a feeling that there is nothing in this world can even touch. And it breaks my heart that some of you don't know that feeling. But here's the good news. You're just one conversation from experience experiencing it. You're just one conversation away from experiencing it. There's nothing like it because you just sit there in this moment and just know that you know that you know, this is why God put me on earth. My nine to five job can't touch it. My hobbies can't touch it. There's nothing like this moment. How do you stay motivated? Celebrate the small victories. Number two, lead others to Jesus. And number three, how do we stay motivated? And this is my closing point with you this morning. Keep the end goal in mind. How do we stay motivated? Keep the end goal in mind. The end goal is eternity with Jesus. The end goal is understanding that there's more that awaits us beyond this life. Can I hear a good amen over that? This life isn't as good as it gets. This life is as bad as it gets. The end goal is to hear those beautiful words that we sang about, well done, good and faithful servant. The end goal is that moment where we take our last breath, and we go from all of this darkness and turmoil and sickness and disease and division to one unbroken calm and stand before the one that we have served all of our life and be able to physically embrace him To finally be able to audibly hear His voice. That's the moment that we're living for. And to know in that moment that we have the rest of eternity. You want to stay motivated? Keep the end goal in mind. Remember who you are living for. Not what you're living for, not things, but who we are living for. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he who endured the cross, scorning at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary, and will not lose heart. Would you stand with me? Would you bow your heads with me? And I've just got to throw this question out there. With every head bowed and every eye closed, because everybody has a a right to privacy in this holy sacred moment, I want to ask you do you have hope for your future? Do you know that hope has a name? And it's the most beautiful name Jesus. Do you have confidence? That if something were to happen to you today and you were to step into eternity, do you know the one that you would be greeted by? Or friend, I got to be honest, or is, is hell a real concern for your eternity? Do you know Jesus? Do you follow Jesus? And I'm not talking about that time years and years and years ago where you said a prayer and you kind of thought, hey, I got hell insurance. It's not a condition. It's not a worry for me. And then you live in a way that is completely apart from God. I don't believe that that's following Jesus. That's not knowing Jesus. I'm talking about, do you really know him? Do you hear His voice? Do you know His purpose and plans for your life? Do you have confidence that if you were to lose your life today, that you would find it in eternity with Jesus? Without anybody looking around in just a moment, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I I don't have that hope. I am concerned with my eternity. But you want to have that hope that you want to have that understanding of of your life's purpose, why God put you here on earth and you're ready to run after that, you're ready to follow him. In just a moment, I'm going to ask those who are ready to take a step in that relationship. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise a hand. And I want you to understand something that that when you raise your hand, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. There's just something about saying, "God, it's me." I'm the one. And so in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if you want that relationship and that understanding. And please understand that we're not talking again about a get out of hell free card. We're talking about entering into a relationship where we pursue him with our life. And the most beautiful thing is this, this is the beginning of something awesome. So how do we come to know Jesus? We simply confess our sins, put our trust in him and then follow him. So without anybody looking around, If that's you here today and you say, Pastor, I'm ready for that relationship. I'm ready for that hope. I'm ready for that eternal destination. I'm ready to place my life in his hands and discover this whole living for Jesus thing and how awesome it is. I'm, I'm ready to have a new future where I'm not measured or judged by my past, but I am actually freed from it. If that's you here today, would you slip up a hand and put it right back down? I see that hand. You can put it right back down. I see that hand. You can put it right back down. Hands going up. I I see those hands. You can put them right back down. Is there anybody else? He says, Pastor, I want that hope. I'm ready to embrace him and all that he has. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand and put it right back down? I see your hand. Is there anybody else? So I want to provide like some instructions with this. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer after me, but please understand there's nothing magical about my prayer. It just kind of provides an outline to work off of. It's all about your heart's intent. If you truly mean to turn away from your sin, from your, your ways and embrace God's ways and trust Him and follow Him and pursue Him, that's what matters. And likewise, you could say this prayer a thousand times, but if your heart isn't in it, it's not going to save you. It's all about your heart's intent. So church, and those of you who, who have followed Jesus maybe for years, and would you join me in repeating this prayer so that we don't make anybody feel singled out? Would you do that with me? Would you repeat after me? Say, Dear Jesus... Come on, with some oomph. Dear Jesus, would you come into my life, make me a new creation. Forgive me, Lord, all the times that I broke your heart. I give you my sin, give you my past, my present, and my future. I recognize you as Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give it up for those who have given their hearts to Christ for the first time today? Amen, church. If you gave your heart to Christ for the first time, this is the beginning of something awesome. On the back of the chairs, you'll find QR codes, and I want to challenge you to sign up for what we call a new believers class where we simply sit down and provide a group that can support you in this decision because how many of you know that we need each other? It's why we're called the body of Christ. It provides a community that will help support you and encourage you. I want to challenge you to sign up for that class. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, well, how does everything else apply to me? I follow Jesus. Church, let's give him 2024 and trust that no matter what happens, this is going to be a great year. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me once more? Would you do this with me? Just like we started out the service, let's end it the same way. I want you to imagine that in your hands is the upcoming year. It's 2024. Would you do this with me? Would you just extend those hands on high and give it to God? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every person who has their hands raised or wishes they wouldn't raise their hands. Lord, I pray that 2024 would be the greatest year because it's the year that we fully trusted you, that we put our faith in you, Lord Jesus. I pray for every individual who's getting ready to attend this Course, Lord Jesus, in stopping human trafficking, God, I pray that even here and now, that You would begin to stir up a conviction in them that says, "I have to be a part of this. I've got to stop this. I've got to be a vessel for His purpose." That even here and now, You'd begin to stir those things up. But Father, I pray that each and every one of us would surrender our plans into You, or excuse me, our plans into Your hands, and embrace whatever it is that You desire us to do. We recognize here today, Lord Jesus, that the way they go about giving you our 2024 isn't taking our plans and saying, Lord, bless them. But it's embracing your plans and saying, Lord, have your way. So, Lord, for every person who's raised their hands, I pray an anointing be poured out. The favor of God, follow them and open doors that no man could, shut doors that no man could. And Jesus, precious and holy name, and everybody said... And church, would you give him the biggest shout of praise that we had this morning? Come on, would you give it up for Jesus and what he's about to do in and through this place? Amen. 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 Amen.
0: This has been an audio recording from Harvest Church. If you'd like to know more about Harvest Church or get connected, please visit us online at myharvestchurch.com or email us at info at myharvestchurch.com.